Moshe with Tishmu, opens things up here on the Israel Show. I think we had a little bit of a technical issue at the beginning, so uh, we'll start it again. It is uh, Monday, Ted Zayin Tammuz Tavshin Ayin Gimel, the 16th day of Thomas 5773, and we are coming to you live, absolutely live, from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. My name is Mayor Weingarten, and we welcome you to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We are here every Monday, immediately following J.M. in the A.M., 9 to 10 Eastern Time, and uh, between 4 and 5 p.m. Israel Time. You can listen to us on the stream at NachumSiegel.com, jmandam.org, or, of course, on the Nachum Siegel Network app, which is available free in the iTunes Store. Just uh, go to the iTunes Store and enter Nachum Siegel Network and download it, and you have all the programming, not just the Israel Show, all the great programming on the Nachum Siegel Network. Um, we are going to have some interesting segments coming up. We're going to share with you some information about um, about uh, new Daylight Savings Times rules in Israel. We'll share with you a brand new, never before uh, heard, Pugi selection. As we did last week, we uh, debuted two new Pugi selections, and that uh, comes from their box set in honor of the 40th anniversary of Pugi that uh, was re- just released. We'll share another cute um, cut with you, one that no one would, 
Nobody knows because it never became a Poogie song. It's one of those behind-the-scenes things that they were testing. And uh, we'll tell you a little bit about um, a historical concept, I would even say, with Shlomo Goren Zatzal, who was the um, first chief rabbi of the Israeli army. And uh, there is a biography that was put out recently, and um, we'll discuss a little bit some of the challenges that he faced as the uh, chief rabbi of a Jewish army, the first Jewish army in essence for over 2,000 years, and the challenges that he faced with that. We'll um, have a clip from Barbara Streisand's performance, and uh, we'll analyze a little bit about that. I don't know if we'll have time to talk about Shimon Paris's birthday party. In the meantime, we're going to go back to the music. Chaim Moshe and Tishmuel Atzmechem that we just played was by special request, and we have another special request coming up, Tomer Chatuka with Shar. But before that, let's get to Avishai Rosen and Ani Rotze Lauf. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Shut up. 
cool one. Avishai Rosen with Anigo Sela. Oof. Um, this, uh, how off the presses. Yesterday, the Israeli government decided to um, extend the daylight savings time in Israel. Now, those of you who are following this saga over the past, I don't know how many years, know that it's been a point of contention between the um, religious parties and the secular and sometimes the anti-religious parties about when to uh, start and stop daylight savings time in Israel because it has an effect on religious people. For example, the Sephardim who wake up early for Slichot starting on Rosh Chodesh Elul, they're impacted by the daylight savings time and everybody's impacted by the daylight saving, almost everyone in Israel as far as the fasting on Yom Kippur. And yes, everybody uh, who's on the other side of this issue says, well, you still have to fast 25 hours. Yeah, but we all know that the fasting at night is not as difficult, and so the earlier it ends, the easier it is for people. Um, Well, now we have a government which um, does not have any of the Haredi parties associated with it, and therefore the Minister of Interior, Gidon Saar, just made a decision, government passed it, probably will pass the Knesset at some point this week. Daylight savings times in Israel will be extended until the end of October on a permanent basis. Now, it's funny that in the Jerusalem Post they say, uh, say goodbye to the never-ending debate between the secular and religious camps regarding daylight savings time. And I say, no way, say goodbye for now. When the coalition changes, it'll come back. The, The way they change the law, they can change the law Again, um, Yitzhak David Grossman announced yesterday that he will not be running for the position of Ashkenazic chief rabbi. That is also a very contentious issue. Um, Rav David Stav is one of the candidates out there, uh, as is Rav David Lau, Rav Lau's son. Um, and um, lots of politics a lot of unpleasant politics going on in Israel about the chief rabbinate. In the meantime, uh, this past week, not related to that, but still unfortunate for the stature of the chief rabbinate, the current Ashkenazic chief rabbi, Rabbi Metzger, uh, is under police investigation for white-collar crimes. So this can't be good. None of this could be good for the chief rabbi, and um, for the chief rabbinate, I should say. And uh, one other thing about Rabbi Yitzhak David Grossman, um, borrowing, I think, borrowing from something that we have here in New York State, people who travel from the city up to the Catskills, there's, there's a Mincha area. I don't know if people are aware of that. There's a place on the highway where you can, uh, if you want to dive in Mincha, you can go off, and it's designated as a Mincha area. Uh, where people can congregate and have a minyan on their way up in case they forgot to daven before they left. Um, so, Rav Yitzhak David Grossman has successfully established a highway synagogue in Israel on Route 6. Route 6 is the only toll road in Israel. And um, it's even better over there because they have a little structure. They have um, actually a little shul, a mobile uh, a mobile home, so to speak, that was set up as a shul, which is uh, one step further than what we have here on uh, on the highway, the Mincha area, which is outdoors. I believe, at least, it's outdoors. So um, that's also very interesting. Um, they actually have um, uh, uh, minyanim there after midday and before sunset for Mincha, and drivers are pulling over. I don't know why people can't time their davening and need, we need to put up mincha areas and shuls along the roadsides, but I don't know. I guess there is something to it. Uh, this is going out by special request um, to the dancing, the Israeli dancing group, I should say, of Highland Park. And uh, this is for you, Tomer Chatuka with Shar. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum. Siegel Network. Okay, so 
with Lele, or Ella's song, before the Tamar Chatukah with Shar, and uh, these are all posted on our Facebook page. Links to the songs are posted on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. There's been a huge flurry of activity over the last week. We are at 95 likes, and a special thanks to the latest likes, Joanne, Hani, Shlomo, and Hillel. And of course, our next goal, if we're at 95, is 100, the big 100. Looking forward to that. Tell your friends, anybody you know, if they're into this stuff, let them go to facebook.com slash the Israel show and give us a like. Or as we like to say, take a look, give a like, have a listen. Before that, Toma Chatuka with Shar, and um, I pointed out on the Facebook page that uh, during that, the middle of that song, um, he switches into the Yemenite pronunciation, which is very different than what we Ashkenazim are used to. Even the Sephardim uh, are not used to the Yemenite pronunciation. But there are people, special people out there, who do understand and know about Yemenite pronunciations. And um, it is a, a very interesting phenomenon because the uh, thought among scholars is that it is uh, probably closer to the original Hebrew than any other pronunciation we know of today. That's what they say. Um, you could send us email, ask for songs, request songs. We've gotten requests this week, and we're playing them. And uh, if you request songs, we'll try and put them on the air. You can email me at mayor, M-E-I-R, M-E-I-R, at nachumsegal.com, N-A-C-H-U-M-S-E-G-A-L.com, mayor at nachumsegal.com. And, of course, through the Facebook page, you can listen to the show on the stream, NachumSiegel.com, via the app, which is available free on the iTunes store. Just look for the Nachum Siegel Network or on the phone, as my mother is listening to right now, as she does every week in New York, 212-419-4241. Just dial it up, and you can hear the stream all day long, from JM in the AM, starting at 6 in the morning, through all the different shows and the great music stream that, uh, that we hear online. You can hear it on the phone in New York, 212-419-4241. In the UK, 44-207-097-0974. In Israel, it's a local call in Israel, 72 224 uh, we're going to go to Yonatan Razel and his famous Vahisha Amda. He re-released it just before Pesach this year. A um, little bit of a different version, more instrumental, uh, more instruments in it and so forth, a different uh, arrangement. 
And after that, we will um, we'll take a look at the amazing and extraordinary challenge that faced the first chief rabbi of an Israeli army, the first Israeli army in 2,000 years, and the halachic challenges that were faced by his chief rabbi, Harav Shlomo Garin Zatzal. Here's Yonatan Rezal with Vihisha Amda. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Thanks so much for tuning in and making us a part of your day. This is the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Yonatan Rezo with uh, a remixed version of Vihisha on the rearranged, I would say, as well. My name is Maya Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. So uh, in 1948, when the uh, State of Israel was founded and an army was established, an army that we now know as Tzahal, Tzvahaganal Yisrael, Harav Shlomo Goren, at the time his name was Gorenchik, a tremendous Talmud Chacham, uh, an amazing mind, uh, was given the task to head up the army chaplaincy or the chief rabbinate of the army. He was given the job of Rav Rashi Tzvai, or Rav Tzvai Rashi, I should say. And um, recently a book came out called Ba'oz V'Ta'atzumot. It's... Uh, edited by Avi Roth, and it's billed as an autobiography, but it really, Rav Goran never wrote an autobiography. It is uh, culled from pieces that he wrote and recordings that he made in some sort of a, like an oral diary. Um, and he discusses the challenges that he faced when he was appointed as the chief rabbi of this army, because, as he notes in the book, he now has to deal with questions that were never dealt with, or that's not true, that weren't dealt with for over 2,000 years. And when they were dealt with, for example, by the Maccabees when they were fighting, or before that by King David and Shlomo and his army, King Shlomo and his and their armies, we have very, very little information as to how they dealt with these issues. Um, there is no Shulchan Aruch for an army. So basically, he had to now write one. He had to write a code of Jewish law for a modern army that wants to be a modern Jewish army. And the major issues, of course, that he faced were Shabbat, how does one deal with Shabbos, Kashrut, how does one keep an army, an entire army kosher, and that was a decision that was made that the entire army would be kosher and that the entire army would be Shomer Shabbat, even though the majority of the soldiers were not religious. But it was considered a Jewish army. That was something that was um, developed by Rav Goren with the approval of David Ben-Gurion, the first prime minister. Um, questions like, how do you deal with Yom Kippur? The first Yom Kippur... Um, there were still many battles going on and soldiers in the field that had to have the strength to fight. What do you tell them to do? And another major, major issue was the issue of agunot, men who went out to fight and were missing, missing in action, never returned. And yet there was no evidence, no clear evidence, no body, therefore no clear evidence that they were dead. And now are their wives left unable to remarry. Are their wives left agunot? And how did he deal with this issue? And this is covered in one of the sections in the book. And um, I'll try and share with you some of the back and forth. I found it fascinating. So there was, according to Rav Goren, we, we see in Chazal, there was a ruling that David HaMelech set for his army. And that ruling was, the Takana was, that every man who goes into the army, who goes out to war, writes a get, a divorce contract, altnai, a conditional get, and leaves it with his wife. And the condition is that if he returns back from the war, alive and well, the get has absolutely no value, it's null and void. However, if he does not return, the get becomes a valid get, and even if they don't find the body and so forth, if he didn't return after a certain period of time, Rav Goran said it as one year, if the person didn't return after a year, the get could take effect, and and uh, the woman is no longer an aguna. That's the that was the original thought, setting up a conditional get. However, there were so many problems with it. First of all. Um, Writing a get is not a simple issue. It's very, very complex and complicated, and you need somebody who really knows what he's doing. And here you're talking about thousands of men going out to war, and how are you technically going to have thousands of getting written? That was one problem. 
The second problem is that uh, being that it's a small country, the soldiers get leave Chofesh very often. So it could very well be that a soldier goes out to fight and two, three weeks later comes back home. Now, the minute he comes home, that get that he wrote no longer is valid and he needs to do it again. So every time he comes home from leave, they would have to do a new get. And again, it's very complex and complicated. So this concept was a technical nightmare. But I found fascinating, even a, there's even a deeper issue with it. And the deeper issue is one of the morale of the soldiers, the feeling that people have. If they go out to war and every time they leave the house, they have to write a get for their wife. There's a feeling, there's almost this feeling there that, you know, I'm not going to come back. I may not come back. And it, it, it intensifies the feeling. Writing the get and doing that intensifies the feeling. And so many of the soldiers literally refused to do it. They said, no, we don't want to have any part in this. So they came up with another idea, which didn't it solved the technical issue, but not the issue of the morale. That was that instead of a get al they would um, sign a power of attorney. Every soldier who goes to war uh, would sign a power of attorney. And in fact, in 1948, Rav wrote such a power of attorney, which was halachically binding. It was called Form Number 821. And it was a military directive requiring every married soldier to sign this power of attorney. And it what it did was it, it gave the chief rabbinate the ability, the power of attorney, to present a get to the wife of any soldier who didn't come back from battle after a year. So you didn't actually have to write a get, and you didn't have to do it every single time. You did it only once, and that solved all the technical problems. However, rather quickly they realized that the issue of morale, the issue of how people felt, people going out to war felt about signing this form that basically said, hey, there's a chance I'm not coming back and I'm you know, giving the rabbinut, the power of attorney, to um, give a get to my wife, was very strong and they did not want to sign it. Instead of, uh, and the rabbinate found that instead of encouraging the soldiers, what they're doing, in fact, is they're demoralizing the soldiers and that was the last thing they wanted to do. There literally was an across-the-board refusal uh, to sign. Now, there was another reason that they didn't want to sign, which is also very interesting, and I didn't think of this at all, but it's, it, it, it's fascinating how people think. The soldiers felt that the reason that the state was doing this, in addition to solving the Aguna problem, was to absolve itself, the state would absolve itself, from any responsibility toward their widows. Meaning, if the widows come and say, listen, my husband fell in battle, I am the widow, and I would like, and I need the government to help me and support me, which they do, the government helps and supports widows of fallen soldiers, the government could say, hey, you're not his widow anymore. There's a get. They were afraid that the government would literally... um, use this technical get as an excuse to get out, get out, excuse the pun there, of their responsibility, the government's responsibility to take care of the widows. So this whole concept, whether it was the get out tonight or the power of attorney, that just didn't work. And this, this took months and months and months of back and forth and trial and error. And it's fascinating because here we are after over 2,000 years the Jewish people now have an army and have to deal with the issues, the halachic issues of a Jewish army. And this was just one, just one of the many issues. As I mentioned, Kashrut, Shabbat, Yom Kippur. Another issue was Tkiat Shofar. For example, if uh, there's a, a small encampment somewhere and they're fighting and there's no Shofar in that base, but they know that in a base further down, someone has a Shofar, 
can the soldier walk more than the tchum, than the allowed amount that you're allowed to walk around your encampment in order to go hear the shofar? And, and, and that, there are so many issues, of course, Pesach, how one kashers the kitchens, and um, all of this was dealt with by Rav Gorin, and everything that we have today in the Israeli army is as a result of the uh, rulings that he put into effect. And as you read the book, and it's, it's in Hebrew, it put out by Yidiot Sfarim, by the way, it's called Harav Shlomo Gorin Ba'ozvet Ta'atzumot. As you read the book, you see the genius of Rav Gorin and how he s- finds sources, some of them obscure, but he uses them and relies on them in order to deal with problems that are unique to the Israeli army. At the end of the day, um, after 1948, the soldiers no longer had to sign the Get al or the power of attorney, but rather, as Rav Gorin had wanted, the only way to deal with the Agunot issue was to go out into the battlefields after the battles and try and identify the bodies. And Rav Gorin very bravely, and he, he talks about it in the book, went into enemy territory, literally, uh, after the battles, uh, accompanied by Egyptian and Jordanian troops to where they, the Egyptians and Jordanians, buried the bodies and did his best to um, help identify the bodies and therefore be uh, matir the agunot, uh, give the agunot the ability to remarry. Fascinating. Uh, uh, one issue, one small issue, and just fascinating how it's dealt with. Uh, my name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Here is something that uh, is out from Hamadregot, a group that we really like. It's called Uvchenak Dishach Melech. It's from the Yamim Noraim Liturgy. We have never played it, I don't think, on JM and AM or on the Israel Show. It's new to us, although it's been out for a while. Hope you enjoy it. Here it is, Hamadregot Uvchenak Dishach Melech on the Israel Show.
It's a really cool one. Never played it before, and I uh, hope you enjoyed it. We The clock is ticking, and we have so much to do. We promised you, we promised you a new Poogie, never-before-heard Poogie song, and um, so we're going to do it now. It's called Lokal Lihiot Nagid. So um, the story is that in 1971, Danny Sanderson, the lead writer for Pugi Kaveret, um, wrote a, um, a musical, a play, musical play. And uh, the story is about someone by the name of Mambo. He is a, uh, he sells watermelons, simple man, and because of a mistake, uh, mistaken identity, he is crowned to be the king. And um, so the song is Lokaliyot Nagid. Nagid is uh, another word in, in Hebrew for the ruler. Uh, over Sometimes in the Galut, the head of the Galut was called the Nagid. We, the most famous one that we know is Shmuel HaNagid. Uh, so the first two lines in typical Sanderson style, Lokaliyot Nagid, it's not easy to be an agid, a ruler, when everybody has what to say. Oh, yes, does that describe Israel? So here it is. Never, and, and this never made it into the Pugi repertoire, this song, Lokal Niot Nagid, from the never-released um, musical Mambo the King. My name is Mayor Wangart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Heard Poogie off of their brand new box set. Uh, this past week saw the um, grandiose celebration of uh, Shimon Paris's 90th birthday. A lot of criticism about that, and uh, not going to get into it now. We just don't have the time. Um, 
Shimon Paris is considered um, Israel's elder statesman. It's an amazing uh, change, conversion, as for most of his life, Shimon Paris was considered one of the most, I would say, one of the most hated uh, politicians in Israel. And now he's beloved by all, and um, everybody seems to feel the need to show it. Um, Barbara Streisand came in for the Shimon Peres birthday party, but at the same time, she had two performances in Israel. It was the first time she performed in Israel. There was a big controversy amongst the Jamie Dam staff, whether this was, and other people as well, by the way, whether this was her first performance or not. Uh, here's a clip, um, something that she said in between uh, the songs that she was singing, and uh, we'll uh, listen to it and then have something to say about it. It's the first time that I'm doing a concert in Israel. And it's a, it's a very, very uh, deep down feeling. I hear an echo. Uh, it, it's, it's different. It's, it's a connection to my roots, to my heritage, to my family. And that is very interesting because we've always said that Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, creates a connection with all Jews, no matter how assimilated they are. This is a thought that Rav Soloveitchik, the Rav Zetzal, said many times. The power of the land of Israel. And here you have Baba Streisand, who is, by all accounts, a very assimilated Jew, who stands in Israel and says that being here creates a very deep emotion for her, a connection to her past, to her family, to her heritage. I found that rather amazing. Um, one of the songs she sang, we're going to play uh, the audio of it here. We're posting the link to the video on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Israel Show, was Hatikva. And uh, the funny thing is, she didn't sing it as the last song in the concert. It was like the fourth from last, but when people heard it, they stood up, they sang along with her, and then they thought the show was over, and many of them started leaving. At the beginning, she explains the um, source for the Hatikva, the poem Tikva Tenu, and she is correct historically with that. So here's Barbara Streisand uh, with her introduction and then singing the Hatikva live at the concert she gave in Israel last week. And you have it here exclusively on The Israel Show. Based on a poem written in 1886, I found out, titled Tikvatenu, which means our hope. Um, it's deeply moving words of a prayer which suggest that as long as the heart within a Jewish soul still yearns, hope is never lost. So tonight, this very special occasion, I sing this with the continued hope that we may learn from yesterday, live for today, and continue to strive for a better tomorrow. Feel free to join me as I sing your beautiful national anthem.
She's definitely got a voice. <laughs> Understatement. That was Barbara Streisand uh, singing Hatikva live at her concert in Israel last week, the first time she ever performed in Israel, and Barbara Streisand fans were going gaga. It was a huge, huge concert week in Israel. Pugis, 40th reunion, Yanni performed in Israel, Barbara Streisand. What a way to kick off a summer for music lovers in Israel. And um, we are going to end things off with a Naomi Shemer classic, Anashim Tovim Be'emtza HaDerech. Good people, wonderful people, who are on the road, the road of life, doing great things. We'll end off with that. Not before we thank you all so much, really, for listening, for making us a part of your day, for being our fans on our Facebook page, for liking us, for sending us emails and suggestions. Your feedback is just so heartwarming and greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you to all of you. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. My very special thanks, as always, to Nachum. Stay tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network for a great Music Monday mix. Tomorrow, Shiva Sarbatamus. Keep that in mind. There will be some changes on the uh, sound of the network. We'll see how that plays out. We'll wait to hear Nachum's announcement. Until next Monday, following Jamie Dam, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Ich kann alles prägen, wenn